As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I made a friend during the pandemic. She's a very special lady. And her name is Lakeisha Jones. Her sister, Letitia Springer, is equally as special and is my guest today. I have been trying to get her on as a guest for a year. She's an MBA. She's a Fortune 50 cubicle, a Fortune 500 rather, cubicle escape artist who recently returned to the U.S. after spending nearly three years enthralled by the unmistakable and intoxicating rhythm of life in North Africa. Whoa. Letitia is the founder of Free 99 Fridge. This is an Atlanta-based grassroots organization committed to fighting for food justice and addressing the needs of neighbors through mutual aid. Free 99 Fridge provides high-quality food at no cost to anyone who wants or needs it via a network of community fridges. And when you see the pictures of these community fridges, you will fall out, fall in love with this mission. Um, Letitia leads a solution-oriented collective of thousands of volunteers aiming to build up community and end food disparities one fridge at a time. Um, when she's not busy upsetting the status quo, of course, Letitia enjoys traveling, reading, and all forms of adventure. So this is a woman after my own heart. Letitia, welcome finally to the show. Yay. Thanks so much for having me. I need you to go everywhere and do my introduction, please. Babe, anytime. <laughs> anytime you need. That made me God. sound way more awesome than I think I am. <laughs> well, that's we got to fix that because you are very, very fucking awesome. And that's what's up. <laughs> I promised your sister I wouldn't curse and it came out the first minute. I know. I'm glad it was you and not me. Thank you so much for having me, though. It's an honor. I appreciate it. I feel the same. So I've just got a few questions for you, and I don't want to keep you for very long because I know that you are on mission. And I want to make sure that my listener understands the gravity of what we're talking about here. We are, first of all, I want to talk about the word H-O-M-E-L-E-S-S, because I don't think it's a word that we want to use anymore. These are not people without a home. They are simply temporarily unhoused. Yeah. These are our neighbors. Yeah. And for some people, unfortunately, I'm learning it's not necessarily a temporary situation. There are some of our unhoused friends who have been unhoused for decades. Mm. Um, I actually lost one of our fridge friends last year. He had been unhoused uh, for 40 years. He had been living on the same street and um, she's really sad. Um, But yes. And with last year and everything with COVID, you know, a lot of people were negatively impacted and found themselves in situations that they never thought they'd be in. And so the face of need and uh, the unhoused community looks a lot different 
than I think what people are used to. Hmm. It's interesting to recontextualize this entire issue. We are all facing it. No matter where you live, there are unhoused neighbors and they're our unhoused neighbors. And I want to make sure that our listener today really gets the depth of that. Yeah, that's really important. I appreciate you saying that because some of the negative feedback that we have received regarding the community fridges centers around the fridges attracting unhoused people. And the thing I've really had to like push to educate people on is that unhoused people are typically walking, you know, they're not mobile. So they're not coming from miles and miles away to go to our community fridges. They are already there in your neighborhood. (laughs) We're not bringing them to your neighborhood. We're just bringing them out of the shadows. And a lot of people have struggled with having to see them now. Um, But we're certainly not bringing unhoused people around. They're already there. You just don't see them. But now that there's a resource for them and kind of, you know, they view it as like a safe space because we talk to them, you know, we encourage them and build relationship around them. We don't treat them any differently. And so that's kind of like their safe space. So you see unhoused people around our community fridges often. And for a lot of people, it's been difficult to see them. You know, you get to just ignore (laughs) ignore the problem, ignore the issue. Uh, Just don't go down that street and you won't see, you know, don't drive past that bridge uh, and you won't have to see it. But the fridges have really brought out the issue and have forced people to not be able to ignore it. Mm. Wow. It's such a rich topic too, because when I have seen uh, unhoused neighbors here where I live now or in New York where I used to live, the best thing that we can do, I've learned, is to actually acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, you know, for the most part, they're not going to come get you. They're not going to come running after you. They might ask you for a dime or a nickel. But even if you don't have any cash on you, at least in my own experience, I've found just to say hello, good morning, to yeah. recognize mm-hmm. them with some dignity and some actual, you know, recognition, acknowledgement is one of the greatest gifts you can give. Yeah, exactly. Because being hungry doesn't make you less human. You know, these are still people. They uh, Oftentimes, you know, I've had some of our unhoused friends tell us that sometimes they're not even hungry. They just come to the fridges because we're nice and we talk to them. Oh, you know, oh like they just want to be in community. They want to be recognized, which is why, you know, we learn their names and talk to them. And I think the other thing for a lot of people that is striking about the community fridges is that it really is community. So, when you go up to the fridges, you might not even know who's unhoused and who isn't or who just pulled up in their car to get stuff out the fridges, but they're living in that car, you know? So I think a lot of people have an idea of what they think need looks like, um, but they have no clue, (laughs) first of all. And that has totally changed since 2020. There's a lot of people in need and you wouldn't even know it. And so we don't treat anyone any differently because a lot of times you don't even know who's unhoused and who isn't. Um, And our fridges serve everyone in the community, whether you're housed or unhoused. This is not a an unhoused solution. It's not a COVID band aid or any of that. Community fridges exist and continue to exist uh, because they're needed. You know, it's just a necessary part of um, how we can just aid our neighbors, you know. And it points to something that we don't need to discuss right now. It points to a failure in the system Mm. in a very real way. 
lots of failures. So um, many failures. And I had no idea when I first started this. You know, I'm just naive. Like, oh, I'm just going to put a community fridge and I'm going to feed people. Um, but when you talk, start talking about and digging and just working with food insecurity, you learn that it's a really complex and overlapping issue. Like, even when you start talking about just feeding people, well, why are they hungry? You know, why don't they have a job? Why don't they have access to housing, employment, mental health, drug addiction? Like, these are all things that we have to deal with around our fridges because they're all interconnected with hungry people. Yeah. First of all, I just want to point out for our listener, if you're curious, and I would very much encourage you to go look, the website is free. 99fridge.com. Yep. So free number nine, number nine, fridge, F R I D G E.com. I want you to look at the pictures of the fridges while we're talking, while you're listening to us. If you do become moved to support, you'll click on the support link right there on the site. But what I would like to point out is the joy that you bring, Tisha, to these fridges, the paint jobs, the care. <laughs> The Tupperware, the, the Tupperware, look at me, I'm showing my age. The bins <laughs> that you buy to put into the both the fridge and the cupboard for the dry goods, for the things that don't need to be actually refrigerated but are right near the fridge. The care that that takes, I would love to hear, and I'm sure my listener would too, what does it take to start a fridge and what does a typical day look like when you're stocking and caring and tending? <laughs> I know. We have Elena. No, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, it's a big one. Well, first of all, thank you for noticing that. Um, because a big part of this project for me is restoring dignity. Because I think with a lot of other projects and nonprofits, I think we've kind of lost the dignity part of it. And I think mm -hmm. we treat people who are in need less than they're deserving. So for me, it's really important that the fridges be nice and clean and organized. And this is not a, here's our scraps and whatever, like you should just take it and be grateful. You know, like it's really important to me that our shoppers, we call them our fridge friends, <laughs> that our fridge friends feel loved, you know, and that when they open the fridge, they can see that care was taken because we care about them and they're a part of our community. Right. Mm. So not just dumped food. Right. But okay. So Day to day. Um, so our fridges are open 24 7, 365. Uh, no holidays, no days off, no weekends. <laughs> so it's basically a nonstop operation. Um, anyone can access the fridges at any time. So donors can come by as well as people who are in need. Because again, all of the fridges are outside of local businesses so that they're able to be accessible 24-7, 365. There's no locks, no security. We don't ask for ID or any of that. They just take what they need um, and people can leave what they can leave. Hmm. Um, so I usually start my day around 5-ish, 6-ish in the morning, trying to catch up on like administrative stuff, emails and you know, sending thank you, stuff like that. Um, I'm usually at the fridges by 7 a.m., dropping off food, distributing, cleaning, picking up trash, um, coordinating volunteers. A big part of what we do as well is food rescue because one of the things that I realized when I decided I wanted to do this project is it just didn't make sense to me that there were hundreds of thousands of starving people in a first world country, yet we throw away billions of pounds of food every year. So food waste is ridiculous <laughs> in the U.S., 
So I thought like, why not just take this food that's still good, but nobody wants to be bothered with it or, you know, they couldn't sell it. So they're just going to throw it away. But, you know, there's hungry people. So a big part of our operations from day to day is rescuing food from local businesses. We currently have 35, I should have looked at this before. Um, I think we have about 30, 35 uh, restaurants locally that we pick up food from and we do food rescue every day. Volunteers pick it up, repackage it, label it, and put it in the fridges for our fridge friends to use. So that's a separate operation. We manage everything in Slack, the app. Um, We have currently 1,200, I believe, volunteers in the Slack channel where we coordinate food distribution, food rescue, as well as wellness checks, because we have a volunteer come out to every fridge every day in the morning and then again in the evening. And those volunteers do wellness checks. So they sanitize the high touch areas. They organize the fridges, like think Publix or Kroger, like that's the shopping experience I want for our shoppers. Um, So things are neat and clean and organized. Yeah. So every day it's like, it's nonstop. <laughs> it's nonstop. Actually. Wow. What's incredible <laughs> about it is that you're, um, you must have a very committed crew of people. Um, I don't know that. So I struggle with that because we definitely need more boots on the ground. Like there's a lot of people who are doing a lot of work and we really need more people so that they're not, or we are not doing so much of the work, the heavy lifting from day to day. I definitely have a core group of people who are doing the absolute most and way too much. Um, So I would love to have more people who recognize that we all have something to give and we all have some time. So even if you can only do one wellness check a year, that would allow, if everyone did one wellness check a year, you know, that would allow us to be able to not have to do as much. Um, but I think a lot of times with this project, people tend to be overwhelmed by the, by the, just the need of this problem mm-hmm. and the fact that they can't solve it by themselves. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. they think, well, I guess I just, you know, I can't do a wellness check seven days a week. So I guess I can't do anything. No, you can do one and then someone else can do one. The whole idea around mutual aid, I think people are, there's a lot of unlearning that's having to happen here with resources, which include time and money. Even as it related to last year fundraising for this project, a lot of people, I think, were challenged with the fact that they didn't have enough to give. They felt like they didn't have enough. And the whole point of mutual aid is collective action, collective resources, and redistributing that wealth of resources. So even if you only have $5, if you get $5 and your neighbor gets $5 and your cousin gets $5, you know, all those $5 adds up. We don't need five people to contribute $50,000 each. You know, we need 500,000 people to contribute $5 each or, you know, something, something like that. $1. So, exactly. $1. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually how we, we did a GoFundMe goal last year. And that's how I reached my goal. In two months, we raised $60,000 because I was like, if everyone just gave a dollar, we would be... <laughs> we'd be fine right now, y'all. Um, I think people realizing that a little bit adds up that relates to money and time and effort. You know, if we all just did a little, it would be enough. If you just make one peanut butter and jelly sandwich and drop it in the fridge, that's one less hungry person. You don't have to feed everyone. (laughs) You can't feed the whole city, you know, but put one sandwich in there. Yeah. Wow. Grab one extra carton of eggs. So if you're listening to this and you live in Atlanta, this is your call. One sandwich, 
one extra carton of eggs, one extra something. something. And I want something, anything. <laughs> um, Leticia, where are the fridges and tell us how they're named. So currently we have four locations, five fridges. Uh, our first location was the West End because the West End is the best end. Um, that's home to Morehouse, Spelman, Clark Atlanta, all the historically black um, universities here in Atlanta. We have two refrigerators, refrigerators at that location. Um, it's outside of Best Inn Brewing. Uh, we have another location. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to skip over. Those fridges are named in honor of Tamir Rice and Elijah McLean. That's our Tamir and Elijah fridges in the West End. Um, we have our Brianna Taylor fridge, which is in Ormwood Park off mm-hmm. Moreland Avenue. We also have our Corinne Gaines fridge which is in East Lake at Port Hendricks Restaurant. And then we have Sandra Bland Fridge in Clarkston at Refuge Coffee. And all of our locations are listed on our website, free99fridge.com on the locations page. And also has just a little story for those of you who may not be familiar with those people who we named the fridges in honor of. It has their story a little bit and kind of uh, why the fridges were named in their honor. I got tears in my eyes when you say all their names. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard. I think it's really important to me that, you know, because with 2020, this whole project was started because I was protesting last summer, Freedom Summers, as a lot of us refer to it. I was protesting all of the race issues and everything that was happening and coming to a head last year. And I just decided that I didn't feel like I was making a difference And my community was really hurting and I didn't feel like me standing on the side of the street being called a nigger for eight hours a day was really benefiting anyone. And so I decided I wasn't going to protest, but I didn't know what I was going to do and like how I can make an impact and starting these fridges. Well, I thought I was going to have just one fridge (laughs) because to me, hunger is like just a basic need and there's no reason why anyone should be hungry. And even when you look at the food system and the issues around food, it's all connected to race. And I hate to make everything about race, but we're in America and it's about race. So no, this is about race. We know this. Redlining and even um, food deserts as people like to call them. I don't call them food deserts. It's food apartheid. Desert implies like it's something like naturally just, just happened. And we don't know how this is food apartheid. It's very strategic where they put restaurants, where they put grocery stores, where the resources are planted. It's very strategic. I mean, like years out. Um, so it's no accident that there are some neighborhoods that don't have access to fresh food, that there are some neighborhoods that you have to go miles and miles and miles just to find a damn grocery store. It's not an accident. <laughs> it's food apartheid. And so For me, it was really important that our fridges provided access to fresh food free because I feel like everyone should be able to eat. It shouldn't be a privilege to have a meal. Like, well, if you have enough money, you don't have to die of starvation today. And even when you look at statistics, last year in 2020, the number one cause of death, it wasn't COVID, it wasn't cancer, it was hunger. In America, the number one cause of death last year was hunger. There's no reason why people should be dying of hunger in America, like at all. So for me, the fridges were important, but also maintaining the momentum that was happening around people being open to talk about these race issues and everything that centers around it. The fridges are named in honor of black people who lost their lives too soon 
to police brutality and just racial racist vigilantes. And it's important to me that we remember. I think a lot of people are trying to go back to normal, (laughs) but normal is gone. Normal is dead and never coming back. And so it's really important to me that the stories stay alive. The momentum stays alive. The memory of these lives And every time someone goes to, you know, Tamir's fridge and reads, every fridge also has the picture of the people whose the fridges were named after as well as their story. So when you go to the fridge, you see their picture on it. You say their name in our Slack channel. We don't call it like just the fridges or we don't call it the best in fridge, the poor Hendrix fridge. We don't call it by the businesses. We call it by the name of the people that the fridges were named in honor of, because I think it's important to continue to say their names, to continue to talk about the stories, to continue to be open about discussing all of these things that make people a little uncomfortable, (laughs) but is necessary for progress. Like if we really want to see change around this, putting sandwiches in the fridges every day, it helps, but it's not going to create change. It's not going to create the systemic changes that need to happen not just in Atlanta, but all over the U.S. Thank you for saying all that. Sorry, I got on a <laughs> tangent. No, that's, that's, that's the most important message of this whole conversation. Like, yes, support the fridges. Yes, donate a dollar a month, $5 a month. Yes, make a sandwich, put it in one of the fridges if you live in Atlanta. But the bigger issues are, are what you're pointing out. Matters. And yeah. I haven't figured out yet how to appropriately say... <laughs> all of this. But even as it relates to like getting donations and people sending money, I don't want to sound ungrateful because I appreciate people sending money. It's amazing. I think redistribution of wealth is very important, but I think that donors miss out on the whole experience of going to the fridges, meeting your neighbors, hearing their stories, talking to the people who are using the fridges, who are also contributing to the fridges, you know, just the the community that happens around our fridges, you miss out on that by just cutting a check or sending a Venmo. And I also feel like as it relates to the race issues and just the systemic problems, cutting a check or sending a Venmo is really just delegating your responsibility. I think we all have a responsibility to actually put in work to create change. Like we, whether you actively played a role or didn't do anything, which still has an impact as well, um, we created this. And so we're going to have to do the work to fix it. And so when you send me a Venmo, then I have to go to Sam's Club or Publix and get grocery and turn your money into what we actually need, which is food. And so I would like to see a lot more people um, remove the capitalist structure from their system and think, I'm not going to send money. I'm going to use my time, my most valued resource, and I'm going to get some food or I'm going to make some food or I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to go feed my neighbors. I'm not going to give that to somebody else who also has a family and a job and a life to do it for me. I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to own that. I want more people to take ownership of changing this. What would be like the top three things that you would say to somebody who wanted to start a fridge in their city? Hmm. I think my first thing I would say is look in your city first and make sure there is not an existing fridge. In 2020, like community fridges have popped up all over the U.S. So I guarantee you there's a fridge in your city already. 
And if you go on our Instagram, it's at free99fridge. I created, because I'm obsessive, um, I created a highlight on our profile of all the community fridges in the U.S. that I know of with their, their handle. It's separated by state. So I suggest that you first check to see if there is a community fridge already in your community. There's no sense in in recreating it if it already exists, and they definitely need help, I can tell you. <laughs> so um, I would say first check and make sure that resource does not already exist. If it does, team up with them and help them. See how you can support. You don't need to start another fridge. You need to support the existing fridges. Um, I would also say don't buy any fridges. There's too many resources in the community to be buying fridges. And also the new fridges suck. You want the old fridges. They're going to be outside. They take a lot of wear and tear from the community. Our fridges are filled and emptied every day, every hour, one to two hours. We fill it up. It's empty. We fill it again. It's empty. So the fridges take a lot of beating um, from the community. So you don't want a brand new refrigerator. You want the used ones. The old stuff is better than the new stuff. And there's no need to buy any fridges this is another thing I've learned from doing this. A lot of people have spare fridges, which is so weird. Um, but when I started doing this project, I'm always getting DMs now from someone like, oh, our garage fridge is out. Do you want it? Or <laughs> or we have the fridge in our basement. We don't need it anymore. Or we're, we're remodeling our kitchen. We don't need the fridge. Um, there's a lot of fridges. There's no need to buy a fridge. Uh, save your money. You will need it for food. Right. And also the other thing, the mistake I think that a lot of community fridges make when they're starting is that they do all of the work behind the scenes and then they start an Instagram and they're like, hey, we got a community fridge, come put food in it. I think you're really missing the opportunity to take people along on this journey and show them all of what it takes to make this happen and really get their buy-in. You need to start start showing what you're doing from the day you have an idea that you want to start a community fridge, show the process of location hunting, show the process of trying to get a fridge, moving the fridge, um, having meetings to talk to location hosts. You need to show all of that before the fridge even comes um, because you need people from your community who are invested in your project. And by the time you get to the fridge and the fridges are opening, they're like, yay, our fridge is here. (laughs) Not just, popping up and the fridge is already here and all the work is done and people are like, oh, what's this? Um, Because education is a big part of this as well. Uh, Nobody knows what the hell a community fridge is. (laughs) There's still a lot of learning around that. And so as you're learning and starting a community fridge, you need to take people along with you and share your learnings. The third thing (laughs) is I think we need to be really selective of who we're partnering with to provide this resource. So just because someone says they want to host a community fridge, don't, don't just take them up on the offer. This is very similar to like dating. Just because a dude says you're pretty doesn't mean he should get your number and get to go on a date with you. So as you start doing this, um, people will be approaching you and wanting to be a location host, but you want to be really thoughtful <laughs> and strategic about who you're partnering with for a location host, because these people need to care about the community as much as you do, not just because they want to look like they're providing a resource for the community, Mm -hmm. because this is not easy. They need to be your location host, need to be just as committed to serving your community as you are. And so you need to be asking 
important questions about, you know, what are they already doing in the community to support the community? How, how are they contributing now before they have a community fridge? And also location's really important. You don't want your fridge in the back of their parking lot around the building and, you know, <laughs> or in the basement or something like that. Um, access is really important. So I think you need to be really thoughtful about the location. Don't just jump on the first person who says you can put your fridge here. Right. I really appreciate that sort of granular look at everything. I think it's important if we have even one listener who is inspired to pursue this, you just gave them a really good recipe. Thank you. And on our Instagram too, I've, I did a bunch of interviews with other community fridge founders around the U S sharing like their journey and their story and how they did it. And I've also done quite a few like IG stories and IG lives on how to start a community fridge, how to paint a fridge, how to find, you know, the hows around it. So if anyone's interested and thinks they might want to do this on their own, I suggest checking out the resources that already exist on our Instagram. And definitely if you're in this for uh, fame or money or clout, I suggest you find another project Mm. (laughs) Uh, because this is not it. It's just Uh a lot of damn work. Um, there is no money in it or not the way I'm doing it, I guess. All for me, it's really important that the money that comes from the community goes back to the community because I think a big part of our responsibility is wealth redistribution. And so, uh, none of us, including myself, take a salary, no one's paid, no one gets reimbursed for gas or any of that. All of the money goes back to the community. And so I think if we're doing it properly as a mutual aid initiative, independent grassroots. Again, we're, we're not a nonprofit 501c3. We're independent because uh, autonomy is really important. Um, if you're doing it this way, you're not going to be making a lot of money. <laughs> so mm. you're not going to be famous. And even if you are, IG famous really doesn't mean nothing. Um, mm-hmm. It's really about like who's actually going to help put in the work with you. It's really just, yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so I think you have to go into it for the right reasons. Well said. Well said. Anything else that you would add, Letitia, to anything that we've said for either the folks who are like truly interested in donating and don't have the, they don't live in Atlanta or they don't have the bandwidth to do more than that? How would they donate? Um, Well, I think this is going to sound counterintuitive maybe, but for me, I think if you don't live in Atlanta, you should really contribute to your local community fridge. Cause again, I think there is one. And as a free a founder, I know that it's hard. And so if you have a community fridge in your community, you should support them. Just trust me. They need your help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you haven't heard them say it, I can tell you they need your help. So if you have a fridge, near you, I suggest you try to volunteer with them, take some food to that fridge. If you really, really love us and want to support Atlanta, thank you. Uh, we do have an Amazon wish list on our website. Again, it's free99fridge.com. You're welcome to go to our Amazon wish list uh, and send us some food. The food comes directly to us here and I will get it put out to the fridges for you. So if you'd like to support us, that's the best way to do it uh, from afar. Super smart. I'm a little speechless. I am. Um, my wheels are turning, and I'm just so impressed. Uh, I love the suggestion to to help the local fridge where our listener lives. Yeah, 
And I'm now moved to check in, see what's happening in Santa Fe. I know I've done some work at one of the shelters here. It's called Pete's Place here in Santa Fe and done some serving there through Upaya, mm. uh, the Buddhist Zen Center. And it was a profound experience, both on the inside and with the people on the outside, communicating with everybody, especially mid-pandemic. Uh, it's yeah. a special, profound very enriching, nourishing experience mm. for, for both sides. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think people come into this thinking that they're going to like help the needy, air quotes implied, um, mm-hmm. but they find that they're getting more help, you know, and yeah. even my volunteer team, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people told me that this project helped them get through 2020, that if it wasn't for our fridges, some days, you know, they wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Like this was their motivator to like do something and really feel like they were making a difference. Wow. And they found that the fridges were more help to them <laughs> than, than it was for them to help others. Right. Um, and so I think we also have a lot to gain from helping people that we think we're helping them, but we're really helping ourselves. Well, mutual aid. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. it. Right there. <laughs> I, I push a lot for people to help locally because we have over 18,000 followers on Instagram and we're struggling, you know, with help, with boots on the ground, with resources, you know, it's a lot of work. And there are a lot of community fridges that have like 200 followers and a thousand. So I know that they are struggling um, because, you know, we look like we're big, but it's still so much work. So it's not that we don't have a lot of people. There's a lot of great people helping me make all of this happen. It's just not enough people to, you know, absorb all of the need. Like we have so much need in our country. And I feel like until you really see it, until you like go to the grocery store and put that stuff in the fridge and then like 30 minutes later, I'm like, nope, Elena, it's all gone. Sorry. (laughs) You don't really know just how fast this food is actually moving and how much need is in your community. And I think people need to see that for themselves. They need to experience it. Like, don't take my word for it that the food is moving fast. Like you need to go put it in there. If you just sit, put it in the fridge and sit in your car for like 15, 20 minutes, you'll see how many people come to the fridges to take food out and put food in. Like the amount of traffic, it's insane. (laughs) I've been doing this a year and I'm still like, wow, this is amazing. I can't, I just can't thank you enough for the time that you've taken to explain to us how it all works and what it really feels like and what is really happening and the level of need. Mm. That, I think, is the biggest lesson of all. Free99fridge.com, independent, not 501c3, is the website. You can give to their Amazon wish list and send food. You can send money via Venmo, via the donate page on that site. Or you can start in your own community a fridge or support your local already existing fridges, which is what I think Tisha's greatest wish would be. I want to thank you for being here, Tisha. Have we left anything out? Is there anything else you'd like to add? I guess if I could just leave listeners with anything, it's that you need to do something. I know we all feel overwhelmed by, you know, the state of our country or the state of our city and our lives and everything that's happening in the world, but we have the power to change it. You know, we have the power to do something and it just starts with like just a small act. You don't have to change the whole world in one fail swoop, 
Uh, but you have to do something. We have a responsibility to our community and to our futures to do something. Thank you. I could not agree more. Our listener, thank you for being here. Letitia Springer, you are one of my legendary heroes in this life. And I thank you for being here. Thanks, Elena. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.